Uncovering your truth and fire, one conversation at a time. This is the Spitfire Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to another awesome episode of the Spitfire Podcast. We are freezing our tuckuses off, but I am talking to someone who is in even colder temperatures, so I really shouldn't complain. She is our Canadian Spitfire, our first international guest, Ariana Rahak from Association Success. She is blazing some trails in online community building. I don't know where she gets the energy from. She's got ideas for days and she knows how to bring people together to make those ideas a reality and to build something that I never knew was possible. So Ariana, thank you so much for braving the cold temperatures to join me on the podcast. Yes, I just climbed out of my blankets for this call. (laughs) (laughs) Negative 13 degrees Fahrenheit. I'm sure for most people listening that probably don't even know what that feels like. I don't think I ever want to know what that feels like. So where, where are you based out of for everyone listening? Montreal. Montreal. So you are our first Canadian guest, our first international guest. So no pressure. I was going to say, now I'm, <laughs> I'm setting the bar for better or for worse. <laughs> setting the bar. This could be our last, but we'll be good. We're all good. So we met months ago um, by referral. I was a part of this amazing brainchild that you put together uh, called Surge. So tell us a little bit about, number one, where the idea came from and what it was. Sure. So Surge, uh, I've been calling it a virtual summit, but uh, it it really turned into much more than that. Um, the way that virtual summits tend to work is that you get a bunch of um, pre-recorded, almost like webinar style um, videos. And then within, it's an event because within a specified period of days, uh, people have access to those webinars and they can watch it. And um, that's kind of where the interaction ends. And so really what was put together was something much more interactive. So the the video, rather than doing it, you know, webinar kind of PowerPoint style, uh, we filmed via Zoom um, some discussions between speakers. And so what we did is went out, you know, having identified various pain points in the industry, we went went out and found speakers that had um, unique voices. And uh, and actually, that that is how Lauren and I met, because uh, she was a suggested speaker to me. And really, the way that, Lauren, you were prefaced to me, I don't know if you knew this, but it was basically, if, if you want somebody who's no-nonsense, badass, going to say it like it is, um, then, then, you know, we have Lauren and, and actually she had suggested to me two different people at the same time. One was you and someone was a little bit more conventional. And I went, no, no, no. Who's this Lauren? <laughs> I want to beat her. <laughs> and so the, so to go back to the, the summit, the reason I, I say it's an interactive virtual summit is because, uh, the, the days of the event, uh, we played the sessions, and meanwhile, there was an attendee chat, and so uh, attendees could talk to each other, and the speakers were also there um, in the Q&A at the same time. So actually, Lauren, I can ask you, what what was it like um, watching people interact with your content? <laughs> it, was, it was a very cool experience, and having been on both sides of a webinar experience and a conference experience as an organizer, speaker, and attendee, I have to say this was much preferable that you know, you could engage with people, you could listen to the content, or you could just sit back and watch it happen. Um, So it really allowed for the wallflowers and the like super engagers to be involved at the same time. 
yeah, it was uh, it, it was quite fun watching it all all come together. And and also, Lauren, you're you're um, you're not giving yourself enough credit. You were a big part of organizing it. I would say. I, I did my best. <laughs> I, I'm not known for being quiet, but it was it was a lot of fun to be a part of. But t- take me back to like, where did this idea come from? So the original idea of the virtual summit came um, from a conversation I was having uh, with a, a friend of mine who's in marketing, and and he had just put out the the concept because he he had done a virtual summit himself. And the way that he presented it to me is that it's a list builder. So what happens is um, many, many people will register. A very small percentage will actually attend the sessions. But it's kind of almost a a means to an end in some way where now you have, so for email marketing purposes, now you have all of these contacts that you can, you know, continue to engage with. But the thing is, so this this concept I brought back because Association Success, um, among other things, is an online community. So I brought back uh, this idea to some members of the community and they totally shot it down. They're like, you know, there is enough content out there. Uh, People, you know, you're going to have such a low conversion. Then really, what's the value? What's the point in creating something that you know is not really like every party loses, you know, except for, I guess, maybe us with a larger email list. But really, what does that mean? Uh, so they, so it was really interesting. It was a kind of a a mastermind conversation. There were 10 of us, I would say on the call. Mm -hmm. And so at the very beginning, I I presented this idea and, um, then I just kind of ended up sitting back and just watching them organically workshop it. Uh, and what came out of it was this concept of, uh, the attendee chat and the speaker Q&A, which really was the uh, secret sauce of, of putting it all together. And kind of along the way, just having this, this resource, having um, really so many brilliant people involved with Surge. And, and that was, you know, I recognized that all of my speakers, for instance, were expert, you know, had relevant expertise in the area. So every speaker that I came across, I would ask them um, for ways to, to make this event effective. And really, so the, the final product was a culmination of so many people's insights and ideas. And, and my role in it was really figuring out how it all comes together and, and prioritizing, you know, because sometimes uh, in a perfect world, the everyone gives you a, a piece of the puzzle and it all comes together. But of course, people have kind of different ideas of how things are done. So part of it is, is um, staying focused and, and making sure that everything is a value add. Yeah. So if you had listened to the naysayers at the inception of this, would Surge have been what it was? Um, that's interesting. It's an interesting question because I was lucky that my naysayers were constructive, if mm-hmm. that makes sense, because there's, you know, it's one thing to say this isn't going to work, but it's another to say um, this isn't going to work, but let's talk about what is going to work. Mm-hmm. So I I actually didn't have that experience too much. Um, toward toward the end, um, I would say the biggest naysayer. I mean, this maybe sounds a little cheesy, but biggest naysayer was myself, mm-hmm. <laughs> just fearing that it wasn't going to all come together. And and actually, the biggest um, I guess a vulnerability I would say was uh, the realization in. So the event was originally scheduled for mid September. I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember that. Yep. And, and we moved the date to November and it was straight up humiliating for me to have to move the date. 
uh, it was just this realization that it could never come together. It was never going to be what it promised to be. Um, and, you know, have, at this point, it, we hadn't publicly announced it. So I was only telling the people who were involved directly. But still, it kind of felt like a, a failure in, in some way to, to have to admit that that was required. Why? What was the failure about? Um, the, the failure that, um, that I needed more time, that I wasn't going to be able to, uh, to create what I had promised to create in, in the period of time. Mm -hmm. I find that so interesting because, you know, when I, when I hear you and I see you in action, you have so much energy and you create these like almost impossible tasks that no one in the right mind would ever be able to do, let alone one person and a small team, which you have. Um, and you've been able to amass these crazy support teams, like these huge groups with expertise and, and the delegation that's available. So to me, when you say, you know what, we need to pause this out. I'm like, you know what? She wants to make it even more awesome. Like I never heard, oh, she's, she's lazing. She can't get it done. She's a failure. I was like, she's going to make sure this is freaking awesome and not a waste of our time. Well, it's so it, it's interesting you say that because I've, I've had conversations with some of the speakers after the fact and they kind of chuckle hearing that I that, that it was such a nerve wracking thing. Like even now, months later, it seems like such a small like it doesn't seem like a big deal. But when I actually put myself in there and remember, I mean, there was there was a moment I would this was in June. I was um, I was traveling. I was in Slovakia visiting my grandparents. And we were up, uh, we, we had gone up some sort of like looking at a viewpoint, like a really, really beautiful, it was, you know, textbook, like the sunset, it was really, really nice. And I was looking out and I wasn't feeling excited and I wasn't in the moment. I just had this horrible pit in my stomach, this horrible, horrible anxiety that um, I was going to fail. Mm -hmm. And so when I started to kind of figure out, pinpoint, okay, what what does failure even mean? What does that look like? Um, yeah, it was, it was not being ready. And, and so moving the date was a really good lesson for me that, uh, it really wasn't a big deal. People were actually quite fine with it. There were no consequences to moving the date and thank God, because, you know, even, even, so we, we moved it about almost two months mm -hmm. and I sure could have used more time. <laughs> we always could use more time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that's interesting because you, had this fear of failure, but it sounds like your fear is about not being ready and prepared. Yeah, yeah, I would say in 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 this particular case, I I, I would there is a general fear of of failure just because association success is new, and you know I would still call it a a startup, and nothing is is clear in in terms of um, what what the future will bring, and there's definitely this underlying you know, what, what, what's the worst case scenario? What will happen if it, if it doesn't take off? Mm -hmm. So what does that worst case scenario do for you? Well, that's, so that's the interesting thing is when I, when I start to actually think about what that means and play out that scenario, it's not that bad because I've learned so much along the way and um, it's not, so my situation, it, it I don't own the business. 
So right now I'm, I'm not the one investing financially into it. So that, that's a bit, it's a different situation for me, um, in that the risk factor is a lot lower in that sense. You know, I'm, I'm getting a salary, but for some reason I, I still have that, um, kind of that feeling of ownership that Mm -hmm. like I, I need to make this, uh, make this work. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you have the responsibility and the weight on your shoulders of about 20 people. Yeah. And in a way it's, uh, it's exciting. Um, my boss said it nice. My, my chairman said it nicely. Actually, he said that, uh, he likes to, he likes to purposely put people in positions where he's asking them to do something 20% more difficult than, than they think they can do and watch, you know, you like stretching people, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel very stretched. But for the better, for the better. Yeah. So what would you, th- what would you say is like the big lesson that you learned from having this experience? Uh, the experience of search? Yeah. Um, the biggest lesson, I, I, so I have different answers, I guess, because there's biggest lesson in terms of um, how to create. So what really what really struck me about Surge was how um, genuinely excited people were. You know, I've been to conferences, for instance, where people go for the parties or, um, you know, they, they go because they go every year and there isn't an, necessarily an excitement around the educational content, but there was something about the way that Surge all came together um, that, that there was a genuine excitement for what it actually was, not for the things that sometimes are attached to it, like the, the byproducts of parties, for instance. Um, and so what I, what I learned was that I think what made it so effective was, um, how many people were involved in creating it. And so it was really a lesson in the the more people you, you bring to the table, um, the, the better that, that the best ideas um, I, I don't think now come from people locked in a room by themselves thinking about it. I think it genuinely like basically my big lesson is collective knowledge is really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. So what's your ideal party size to get the best collective knowledge? Ooh, that's a good question, Lauren. Um, that so it depends. I think it depends on your goal. Uh, actually. So I just, I just conducted, it it was an experiment. Um, I invited several people and and you of course were on one of the calls, um, several people to join these virtual meetings. So it was a group. So previously with, um, with Surge, my conversations tended to be one-on-one. So all of, so I would call it uh, crowdsourcing of ideas basically. And what I'm now trying to move into is co-creation. So, um, you know, bringing several people together and, and having a, a focused conversation and trying to reach some sort of um, outcome. So the reason I say this is because in those those virtual meetings, I, I held seven in a row and there were anywhere between four people and 10 people on the call. And so my um, what I learned from that is that four seems to be a good number for some reason. It's like the maximum in, in that for, for that purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, four is great in terms of um, ha- conversational intimacy. Uh, the second you have more than that, it, it, it becomes a little bit more formalized and people aren't as comfortable 
speaking their minds, Mm -hmm. I find. Um, But to answer, that was a very specific answer to a a fairly broad question. Um, In in general, I would say that one of my big challenges um, as association success grows and as it scales is how do you meaningfully collect knowledge from a large number of people? Like it goes almost qualitative to quantitative. Mm Um, and I don't, I actually don't know yet the answer to that. That's one of the things that really worries me is how, um, to make sure that there's still this opportunity to genuinely contribute to the conversation without it, it being meaningless, right? If you have thousands and thousands of people, can they genuinely contribute? Yeah. It's like, how do you, how do you scale collective knowledge? Yeah, that is an unanswered question for me. The, The way we did it, um, with this event, so we had, uh, each session was anywhere between two and five speakers. I think three, three or four is the, the good number. And um, the attendee chat provoked a lot of really interesting, almost like taking the high-level ideas from the sessions and turning them more tactical. People started talking about their own experiences with whatever the topic was. Um, so, for instance, your your session um, brought out a lot of discussions on, so your session, How to Affect Change, No Matter Your Job Title, brought out a lot of um, tactical advice in terms of affecting organizational change, like experiences that individuals had. Mm-hmm. So what we did, actually, I haven't shown it to you yet, it's yeah. ready. Um, we put it together. We, we, you know, analyzed these attendee chats and we looked for, um, certain certain anecdotes, and in some cases, we reached out for uh, for elaboration. And so, we're putting together these eBooks uh, that that is a collection of of several insights. But again, that's something that uh, is is hard to scale. Gotcha. So you're able to capture that for people who weren't on the live chats to be able to experience it and hopefully add to it. Yeah, and and also I think to you know if a, a chat is happening for an hour. Um, and we're really boiling down. I, I would call it a highlight reel almost. Okay. Very cool. So how would you suggest corporations, businesses apply collective knowledge in a way that can benefit their business? So I would say, um, so there's there's a term called the IKEA effect. And this is something that I read about and realized that it was one of the ways that I've been building association success. And I didn't really have um, kind of the theoretical framework, but here it was and it made so much sense. So uh, there's a behavioral economist named Dan Ariely, who I love. And he did a study. He uh, took a bunch of people and had them build IKEA furniture together. And at the end, he said, "Okay, if this were in a store, how much do you think it should cost? And so they valued it at a certain amount. And then he took the same furniture and he put it in front of uh, the control group who didn't know any of the context and hadn't been involved in building it. And he asked them to um, value it. And they said, uh, and and the dollar value they gave was significantly lower. Mm -hmm. And one of the big lessons from this was that uh, when you're directly involved in building something, then you you see and understand the value of it. And oftentimes, maybe IKEA furniture not the same, but with, with my experience with Surge is the more people, it was such a win-win because the more people who were actively involved in creating it, um, it wasn't just that they felt emotionally connected to it and you know were genuinely supporting it. It was also, it just became a much, much better final product that way. And so my my advice for organizations 
is to really genuinely find ways to connect with your your customers, your clients, whatever it may be, to find ways to improve what you're doing, Re, you know, meaningfully be involved in in the product development or, or whatever it may be. Interesting. So it sounds like almost like peeling back a curtain to show a little bit about how the secret sauce is made allows people to buy into the process or value the process that goes into it. Totally. And, and even, you know, be super, and I, I guess this will be difficult depending on how large the organization is, but be very transparent also. Um, yeah. About, about the process to your point and uh, you know, understand that if, if you as an organization decide to take a risk and try something new, if that's very much part of the discussion, that it's an experiment, that we're trying something new, people are much more forgiving uh, if the final final product isn't perfect, particularly if it did uh, genuinely bring, you know, if, if it was informed by genuine feedback. Gotcha. gotcha. So it's understanding the aspects that go into it, but also letting people know the the context in which it's presented. So are you part of the experiment and the feedback focus group or are we presenting this to you 100% perfect and flawless? So it's actually setting you up for criticism. Yeah, um, I, I heard an interesting example actually last night. Um, it was talking about, so it, it was actually a course I was taking on lynda.com and the course was on uh, service oriented, how to, how to build a service oriented organization. And one example she gave of a, a negative example, it was Ford back in the, I don't know, eighties, something. I, I'm not good on details. <laughs> it was a few years ago. They basically went into a room by themselves for months and built this. Did you hear about this? They built. Yeah, I actually heard um, Mike. Oh my God. Mike Rowe did a presentation this at the SHRM conference about how they uh, just completely went on their own to develop this project. And then they were looking for feedback from people, but nobody wanted to speak up. So they had to completely reformat their the project management. I don't know if that was the story you were telling. Um, it might. So it, the, the way it was framed was that they didn't, they weren't collecting feedback. I don't know. She didn't was, mention details about uh, if, whether or not they had tried, but it sounded like the mistake they had made was not getting feedback along the way. Got it. Well, there was the design issue, but then they were having issues on the plant lines because nobody wanted to speak up and be courageous when things weren't going right. Oh, interesting. So that sounds like a culture problem. Yeah, big time. Okay. Yeah, that, they were that... able to turn it around. <laughs> the story ends well. <laughs> oh, way to go. I mean, if Mike Rose talking about you, you're doing all right. Yeah, right? <laughs> so I, I want to put the focus back on you because we've been talking a lot about surge and association success. Now, you are the engine behind this. And you and I have had a lot of conversations about burnout and stress management and keeping it all together with your personal life. So what are the takeaways from this experience or what are the things that really highlighted uh, the need for balance or integration of work and personal life and all those other things about taking care of yourself? Okay, so I probably would be a cautionary tale. <laughs> I mean, there were some 19-hour days um, building building this, which I knew as I like I was self-aware as I was doing it that that wasn't the way to go. Um, I'm running into an interesting space where I'm I'm having a hard time separating um, work and everything else in my life simply because I, um, in many ways work is play. Like I, I enjoy doing it. And so actually I'm, I very, 
I very often, and, and so there's, there's something really great about that, but there's, it also creates the problem of, okay, it's like your obsession. Yeah. Like my, my absolute obsession. And, um, you know, there was, there was a moment I, I had this kind of eureka, like, oh God, um, which was that I was walking, uh, I was walking from a restaurant and I looked at a license plate and it said AS. So association success, I mean, that the license plate. So I, my mind immediately went, oh, like I, I thought of work. And then, and then I looked down and I realized that I was wearing my brand color. And I just got immediately pulled into work, like randomly, right? And, and I'm like, I can't escape. It's, it's in my head. So the, the consequence, so on, so on one hand, it's very nice to have the, you know, to really enjoy what I'm doing. The problem is that my mood is way too dependent on the success of it mm. as a result. based yeah and achieve exactly and so if I have a bad day if 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 things don't go well at work um it's the end of the world and and I I also discovered quickly that um very dependent on the amount of sleep I get if I if I don't have enough sleep and I go in and there's a problem it's like it could never be solved it's going to end everything it's going to bring down the walls Uh. um and then and then I get enough sleep the next day, and I'm like, oh, no problem. Just, so you know. I would I would say that your your issues are more focused on self care than they are on achievement. Yeah, yeah, I would say that's that's accurate for sure. Yeah. Uh, and and you know I feel it's I have this weird feeling about association success where it's like it's it's bigger than me. Mm-hmm. Like I and I'm willing to sacrifice probably too much of myself for it. Um, in a way that wouldn't like I could see that becoming self-destructive quickly mm. if that makes sense like I, yeah. I, I I would do um yeah I would I would give away all my time I would give away all my money for it to to be successful and that means that yeah to to what I was saying before that then I'm too dependent on it uh for happiness mm-hmm. yeah so where do you want the balance to be I don't know. I, I haven't, I haven't figured it out. And even, um, okay, this is really going to get personal. I hope my, I hope my boyfriend doesn't hear this. <laughs> um, I, I started dating my boyfriend when I, um, it's, a, it's very recent. So it was, it was actually at kind of the climax of surge. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of my, I, I actually am having trouble disassociating him from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had this really weird moment a few weeks ago where I started thinking about my job and I, I got, I had this feeling of elation. Like it was this feeling of, of being in love. And then I thought of him and then I went, well, am I feeling that for like, it, is that elation for him or is it for my job? Like I couldn't separate it. It was such a, it was such a weird thing. I've never experienced something like that before. Interesting. Well, it sounds like it was like this, this two prong, like they both converged at the same point. So it created this like magical moment. And I don't think you have to judge it as separate. It could just be the memory of like a really good time and you can love it for different things, but you can be in love with both things. Yeah, I, I intend to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I can totally relate because I went on my own and two weeks later started dating my boyfriend. So literally my entire entrepreneurial journey has been with the same person. So he has seen the, the low lows, the high highs and everything in between. So it's yeah. a bouncing act. So that's a, that's a really that leads me to a separate point where I was having trouble. Um, so, you know, going back to the issue of work 
determining my mood, um, I was taking it out on him a little bit. Mm -hmm. I would be, I would be upset about things that I wouldn't normally be upset about. And in the moment I wouldn't be self-aware enough to realize that. So I would, so in a way he was the physical manifestation of my frustration, even though he really wasn't. Yeah. Well, the people closest to us become the easiest targets. Yeah, exactly. So I've, I've, um, you know, he, he's luckily, he's very emotionally mature. So he, he recognized this and pointed it out to me and was like, this, you can't do this. This is, this is something I I will not accept in our relationship. Mm -hmm. And he was right. And, uh, and since then I've kind of, I've been able to, um, stop it before it happens. Yeah. We need some truth tellers in our lives. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So how do you deal with unloading stress? Um, I am trying to deal with it. So the other added element onto everything else with, you know, with all the, with the growth of association success is that I now, I now have a team. Um, so previously I was working on my own. So this is my first time in management. And so one of the things that I, um, realized very quickly is that my moods and, and how things are going will quickly affect everyone. You know, if, if I'm showing stress, they're going to feel stressed. Mm -hmm. And so it's an interesting psychological thing. And I haven't quite put my finger on what it is, but having to be the strength actually makes me feel better. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense, but, but having to explain to others why something, um, isn't a big deal and, and why it, it shouldn't worry us. Um, it, it's a, it, it forces a mindset that I actually think is, is quite useful. Yeah. Like what I'm hearing is that it becomes more objective instead of being an internal dialogue for you. Yeah. I, I think that's a really good way of putting it. Yeah. Cause the problem is, is when we are in our heads, it actually creates more anxiety because there's no action to resolve it. But just by talking it out with someone and looking at all the options and actually will decrease your stress. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. And, you know, I, I remember for instance, um, this was, a, this was when it was just me plus a, an employee part-time. And this was, uh, before surge kind of was uh, revving up and we were doing a live webinar and there was some issue with the technology and we had to move platforms really last minute. And there weren't that many people. I think, you know, it affected maybe 20 people, but it ruined my day, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and something like that. Now, if I see kind of a similar, if I see some sort of equivalent affecting, like it, it, it happened to um, um, one of my teammates recently, she, she accidentally, well, she didn't in the end, but she thought she had sent out a, a mass test email. Which is the kind of thing that if it had happened to me, it would have been, the, you know, previously it would have been the end of the world. But now it was like, oh, looking at this um, from a like from a uh, more aerial perspective, it's really not a big deal that that happens. And now I need to explain that to someone else. And now I understand it's not a big deal. Yeah. So the more you can take it out of you and just from you and just make it about the event or the organization or whatever it is, then you can actually look at solutions. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Exactly. It ain't about you, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If I, if I could genuinely, you know, it's one thing to, to, to say this and, and to kind of understand it retrospectively, Mm -hmm. it's a whole other to act in the moment, 
um, accordingly. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it, it totally makes sense. And actually, I have a, a client who has run startups in the tech space, and this is very much sounding like her, where it's head down, deal with the issues later. Like, we just got to deal with it and get through it. And so things will mount up, and you may be avoiding things, or you may be dealing with things very reactively, um, just trying to get it done and not realizing the impact that it has on you or your team. Yeah, yeah, that's it's, uh, it's like the get her done mode. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And and part of it for us is we just you know are not running on a whole lot of resources, mm -hmm. and so it really does um, minimize the little mistakes or whatever it may be because we have um, you know we have bigger things to achieve. Yeah, they don't matter as much. Don't sweat the small stuff. Exactly. So, what would you say is your superpower? Um, ooh, um, my superpower. So one, I broke my arm once and discovered that my bones heal very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Your bones are resilient. Yeah, I was out of a cast. It was one of those moments where I'm like, because I broke my, I'm sorry, I apologize to everyone for this horrible digression, but I broke my arm in a really unnecessary way. I was jumping over a fence to catch a football. Like it just shouldn't have happened. <laughs> And that should have taught me um, to to be more careful, but all it taught me was that I just heal very quickly. Got it. <laughs> so I can continue to do I can those keep things. doing this. <laughs> yeah. Where are the fences? Um, so that being one answer, um, my my superpower related to um, my uh, to my passions in life, I would say uh, connecting people and. So bringing people together um, and yeah, you know what? I would say it's connecting with people and, and understanding, um, gosh, I don't even know how to articulate it. I think it's having a strong sense of taking, oh, I don't know. I'm going to have to come back and answer the question another time. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go with connecting people. Yeah, let's go with connecting people. I'm building an online community. It's, it's a very conducive skill. It, it really is. Now, what would you say is your kryptonite? Um, the French language. I moved out of Canada for a while, actually, because because I couldn't, uh, I'm not good at language skills. Um, my, my, my kryptonite is um, the the. Uh, this is such a cheesy, this is like one of those answers you give at, during, um, a job interview <laughs> where they're like, okay, buddy, be honest. But, uh, I think that the, the fear of failure has, um, has hindered me mm -hmm. a lot. I, I could give, I could give a few examples of, I mean, actually one really simple example was, uh, we waited a really long time before publicly announcing that Surge was going to happen and it was because I did not want to do it until it was perfect and mm. ready to be public facing and so there were some consequences in terms of logistics you know I, I had anecdotally conversations with people who said they'd love to attend but uh, they didn't have their it marked off on their calendar so they couldn't so I think that was a um, you know a very obvious consequence of, of fear holding me back got it well this has been an awesome conversation I feel that my knowledge by talking with you has enlightened and I'm only going to talk to four people going forward um, to get the best response possible.
And I have to think <laughs> yeah. about those four people I want to talk to at any given time. <laughs> that got me thinking. Maybe yeah. I need to have podcasts with four people. Well, interestingly, so I, this revelation, I had, I had mentioned to a friend of mine and he said that there's a podcast he listens to, uh, and it's four of them. And whenever they, they actually take one of them away, one of the main ones away. So this, this isn't just my independent conclusion. No, there's research on podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> well, Lauren, I wish you luck in your, in your podcasting, which, what episode number am I? I think you're going to be like 12. 13 and we're, we're cruising wow. now you yeah. are cruising. good for you yeah we're, we're sticking to it we're already in the new year and we're rocking and rolling so <laughs> it keeps me accountable by doing this every week now if people want to check out association success where should they go um association org is where they should go awesome association success.org Yep. And on the homepage, there's a link to uh, Surge, actually, if you want to. All of the sessions are available. You can see Lauren's session, um, How to Affect Change No Matter Your Job Title, which was really my, my measurement of success with the sessions was um, how, how enriched the, the attendee chat was, how thought-provoking it was. And there's just so much goodness that came out of it. Um, and actually, from that event page, we're going to be putting a link to this ebook, which I will send you immediately after Lauren, because I'm excited for you to see it. Um, which uh, Lauren has a lot of um, a lot of inputs in there that are outstandingly useful. Thanks so much for joining us, and for all of the Spitfires, being awesome.